jack.com podcast uh for information i'm recording this episode episode uh seven of season five and i'm calling this freedom to fly recording it on september 10th 2011 at 2109 pacific daylight time so just a few hours before the 10th anniversary of 9-11 and you can bet your ass i will be talking about that today as well as a few other things that have been percolating about my mind over the last few weeks so sit back relax enjoy this is the knickknackjack.com podcast welcome So, freedom to fly. Obviously, this is something that hits me rather hard, and of course it has everything to do with 9-11, and everything to do with politics, and everything to deal with the FAA. So, without any further ado, here we go. Um, So, basically, um, almost ten years ago today, Flying went from this somewhat casual thing uh, that the vast majority of Americans could do relatively easily without much economic uh, stress about it, to something that is a pain in the ass that you only do if is absolutely necessary and just isn't enjoyable anymore. Um, you know, you have to go fly somewhere, so you buy your airline airline ticket, you begrudgingly go through TSA, try not to get pissed off, and sit there and wait for your airplane, and then you're crammed on board the airliner, and you're basically riding in a sardine can where you're lucky if you get a free drink. And that's just not the way to travel. That's not fun. That's not enjoyable. That's not something that anybody in their right mind, would want to do. But this is the modern state of airline transportation in the United States. And hate to say it, but it's not all that different from um, the modern uh, you know, procedures for airline transportation in almost every other country in the world. There's a bunch of security procedures. Everybody's freaked out. Once you get on the airline, you're essentially trapped there, and, you know, you might as well be in a 30 by 30 inch box. Um, It's not fun, it's not enjoyable, and it's not what it used to be. Um, Airline transportation has done nothing but become more of an endurance test over the years. And I am old enough, thank goodness, to remember when um, it wasn't actually all that bad to get on an aircraft. Um, I think my first airline flight was with Southwest from Sacramento Metro Field 
which I think it was still called Sacramento Metro at the time. It wasn't Sacramento International just yet. This was about 1995, 96, somewhere around there. Uh, I believe it was a 737-400. And we flew from Sacramento to Ontario. Take took about an hour. Um, no big deal. Very cool experience because I was under the age of 12, as I recall. I got plenty of free sodas and got to sit up near the front of the aircraft. You could look up into the flight deck. The door was open during flight. Um, it was just a very different environment. And I remember the pilot joking, uh, or it was either the, the captain or the first officer joking, uh, as I was getting off the airplane, it's like, oh, you'd like to come with us to Phoenix, wouldn't you? And it's like, yes, yes, in fact, I would. I want a, another a hour of airline flying. This would be fun, enjoyable. Um, these days, the last airline flight I went on was Alaska Airlines from Sacramento to Seattle. Uh, another 737-400, interestingly enough. Um, and the thing I remember about that flight particularly, is being nervous because I had lost my wallet on the bus a day previously. Um, and I had spent hours and hours trying to find my wallet because I knew if I didn't have my California state driver's license identification, then the TSA wouldn't let me on board. Luckily for me, even though my passport had just expired a couple months prior... Um, you can still apparently use your passport as valid identification for um, getting on an airline in the United States as long as it hasn't been expired for more than a year. Uh, now, at this point, uh, my passport has been expired for more than a year, uh, just about. Uh, I need to renew that. Uh, but uh, the point is, I was able to get on the airline without... Um, with, with my passport and everything was fine, but I was so freaked out because I knew how serious their identification procedures were, how much of a pain in the ass it would be going through TSA if they happened to have any questions about my ID, and all I needed to do was get from Sacramento to Seattle in an hour and a half uh, so I could move up here and go to dispatch school. Um, and it's, you know, a relatively simple thing to do to sit on an airplane for an hour and a half, go from Sacramento to Seattle. It's about 600 miles. No big deal um, from a flying perspective anyway. But when you add the TSA and all the crap that goes along with it, it becomes a stressful, um, unenjoyable, shitty experience. And I got to say... If that's the future of airline travel, um, I'll be happy to sit in my office and dispatch, and um, I will be willing to go through TSA for the privilege of getting a jump seat ride as part of my re recurrent training once a year. But outside of that, I honestly don't think I'll be doing much airline travel, and I still won't be encouraging people to do much airline travel. If somebody says to me, well, I really want to go on a trip, I'll say to them, well, look, if you have time, if you really want to enjoy the ride, take the train or drive down there or really do anything but fly the airlines because flying the airlines sucks. Um, and it's just a factor of modern day life, I suppose. Now, 
you know, if I want to go back to England, for example, I have no choice, um, really. You know, there's no real ships the way there used to be, so you've got pretty much got to get on a 747 um, headed direct for London Heathrow, uh, which incidentally is what I'm flying on autopilot as I speak now. Um, but that's just the way it goes. And I guess it gets to a certain point where most people have decided, well, I need to get there really quickly, so it's worth the trade-off to me. Um, but I would encourage the public out there to really start to question that decision. Is it really worth the bother of going to the airport, of having to deal with all the security bullshit, um, just to get there that quickly? And for me personally, anyway, nine times out of ten, it's not. Now, um, I had a rare exception a couple of weeks ago where I really did want to go home um, and I wanted to get there relatively quickly, and it would have been nice to take Virgin America, uh, partly for the ride on the A320, partly because I'm very curious about their operations and would like to, in fact, work with them, uh, because one of their, well, one of their branding appeals is we want to make airline travel fun again. Um, and to me, that's the best thing an airline can possibly do is try to make airline travel fun again. Southwest kind of does this the way they can. They have a little bit of fun with the safety announcements while still getting the safety announcements done in a professional manner. Um, Alaska, not so much. It's pretty much get on the airplane, no in-flight entertainment, and we're going to get you from point A to point B as quickly as we can and get you off the airplane as quickly as we can. And in my experience, that's the way most, most airlines kind of deal with things now. Uh, when I rode on Delta, is that way. It was pretty much get on the aircraft, we'll get you there as quickly as we can and get off the aircraft again. Uh, no fun, no enjoyment of it whatsoever. And really, I mean, call me a romantic, but if you're going you know, 480 miles an hour to 550 miles an hour, that's a pretty special thing. Um, most people tend to forget that airlines operate in a very hostile environment. For instance, uh, 747 that I'm simulating operating right now is at 35,000 feet. Now, there is not enough pressure in the air at 35,000 feet for us to be able to breathe normally in this environment. So without a pressurized aircraft, you're screwed and you can't breathe. So air, every airline, every airliner that cruises over uh, 15,000 feet for longer than 30 minutes, if I'm remembering my FAA regulations correctly, has to have a uh, pressurized cabin for the comfort of the passengers so they don't die. Um, in addition to the pressurized cabin, which um, creates a, an enormous amount of air pressure inside the fuselage of an airplane, uh, which causes it to essentially, the skin of the aircraft, the exterior of the aircraft, to expand and contract every uh, flight cycle, uh, such that eventually... Um, 
the airplane is actually no longer usable because it's taken off and landed enough and it's pressurized and depressurized enough uh, that it's no longer usable. The skin, the metal fatigue will eventually get to it and you'll start ending up with holes in the fuselage and that's bad. Um, but, I mean, people forget that when you're in an airliner, you are, you know, for an average person, as close to space and that sort of hostile environment as you're ever going to get. Um, and I think we should be able to enjoy that. I think, you know, airline travel should have the the flair and the enjoyability of riding on Concorde in its heydays. Um, you know, just make it an enjoyable experience. You're going really fast. You're seeing things from a perspective that you don't normally get to see things from on an everyday basis. And it should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be this terrible rigmarole. And I think the thing, the biggest thing that gets under my skin about 9-11, aside from all the needless casualties and the destruction of a landmark and all the other things that get my goat about it, which made it a very tragic event and everything else. The biggest thing for me was the long-term consequences it had for our country because we went from being in an environment where having the freedom to do stuff, having the freedom to get on an airliner and accepting the risk of getting on that airliner, accepting that something could go wrong, accepting that a terrorist could attack you, whatever else, was just part of the process. Um, we're now living in an environment where if a terrorist event occurs on an airliner, everybody freaks out and they see it as an unacceptable risk. Therefore, they're willing to deal with all the TSA and the limits to true liberty. Um, and I'm not of that persuasion. My opinion is, um, I, you know, I obviously I don't want to die in an airliner. Who does? Um, I'd rather die in my bed, in my sleep at, you know, 73, 74, something like that. That would be my preferred method of death. But if I do die on an airliner or really an airplane of any sort um, and I am exercising my freedom uh, to go from point A to point B without um, much hassle, without much to do, without much proving that I have a reason to go from point A to point B, then I think the risk is worth it because honestly, it's an incredible thing to be able to go get an airplane and fly somewhere. I mean, to go from um, Seattle, Washington to London in eight and a half hours. Um, I mean, I've flown the leg enough times where it seems slow and, you know, will we ever get there? But at the same time, when you consider it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,700 miles um, and you're able to complete this journey in relative comfort in eight and a half hours... That's pretty damn amazing. That's something pretty special. And I think that's something that should be treated special. I mean, obviously, you need to, um, you know, go through all the procedures to make it as safe as possible. Because you do want to minimize risk. Um, but to a certain extent, I mean, there's an inherent risk involved every time 
an aircraft lifts off the ground. Just like there's an inherent risk involved every time you start a car, every time you get on a bus. Fuck, every time you walk across the street, there's an inherent risk. And this culture that says, well, there can't be an inherent risk. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Everything needs to go perfectly all the time is stupid and unrealistic. Listen to me and listen to me well. Every time you get on anything that goes faster than you can walk, you're taking a risk. Hell, even every time you're taking a walk, you're taking a risk. Life is not without risks. But the thing that you have to measure your risk by is what is this risk? What is taking this risk giving me? What is the end benefit? And if the end benefit is being able to go 4,700 miles in eight and a half hours, fuck, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, who can argue with that? Um, No other mode of transportation can do that. We don't have anything that can do that but a 747 or a 777 or an A380 or um, a 767, maybe a A330. I'm not sure if the A330 has the range or not. But, I mean, there's... My point is, there's maybe four or five airplanes in the world that can do this particular run. Um, Now, obviously, there's greater variety depending on what you're running, what you're operating. But we need to appreciate this. We need to accept the risk, and we need to realize what we're doing and the fact that we're exercising a great freedom that should not be hindered. Uh... I I see no reason for the TSA, honestly. I think you should be able to buy your ticket, show your ID to the clerk, because that's, you know, at least reasonable. Um, you know, if you have bags to check, prove that you're, make sure that they know you're, you're, that they're your bags and that everything's all good to go. I mean, obviously going through an x-ray scanner for a bag isn't, um... A horrible thing to expect, but for a person to go through an x-ray scanner, that's a little bit much, personally. Uh, just to get on an airplane, I mean, yeah, it's special, yeah, it's unique, yeah, it carries that risk, but I think that's an undue amount of um, inconvenience to what you're doing. Um, I think safety is important, but I don't think um, our safety and our paranoia needs to come at the expense of our liberty. Um, As I believe Thomas Jefferson said, um, a society that is willing to give up a little liberty for a little security deserves neither and will lose both. Um, That's the gist of the quote anyway. I don't remember exactly who said it. I got the quote from uh, Plain Civilization 4 way too much, which just proves that games can, in fact, be educational. But the point is taken. I mean, if you're willing to give up liberty for safety and security, um, you're not going to win out. You're just going to end up in a flying prison. And honestly, does anybody like flying the airlines anymore these days? Um, With the possible exception of maybe JetBlue, um, Virgin America, Southwest. I mean, outside of those three airlines, I have not had an airline experience that has been fun. Um, 
even British Airways, I mean, it was it was cool being on a 747 uh, when I flew from San Francisco to Heathrow and back. Um, but there was tension in the air. It wasn't a relaxing experience. It wasn't a fun experience. It was, let's sit here in our small seat and, you know, here's something to look at so you don't whine about how long it's going to take to get there. And, okay, we're there, so get get the hell off my airplane um, sort of attitude. And I just, I don't like that attitude. I don't like that environment. And... I I don't think anybody does, and I think we have the power to turn what has become a terrorist victory that has made us afraid to travel on the airlines into um, a terrorist failure. If we truly exercise, if we can, with confidence, truly exercise our freedoms, truly enjoy the resources that we have and our ability to go from one place to another so quickly and so efficiently and, you know, under the right circumstances so comfortably, I think that's a positive thing. I mean, flying does not have to feel like steerage class in the Titanic. Um, And I think, honestly, if you're flying on an airline that makes you feel like you're in steerage class on the Titanic, it's time to choose a different airline. Maybe choose an airline that makes you feel more comfortable and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I am a bargain shopper. I won't lie. I, I do, you know, I have a very limited income. Um, this American economy has not worked out well for me, so I do bargain shop when I fly. But even so, um, when I fly, I try to get the best experience out of the flight that I possibly can. I like to take an airline where I know the pilots are happy to do what they're doing. Uh, you know, they may be a little bit tired because I've done several legs or whatever. But, I mean, I want people that are happy to be there. People that are enjoying the unique experience that is flying. Um and that is overall why nine times out of ten, if I'm going flying somewhere and I have the capability to do it, I'm going to take a flight lesson um, and fly that way and with the eventual hopes that I'll actually be able to get my license. Um, the thing that's holding me back, medical conditions. Um, you know, they say this country has liberty and justice for all, but in truth, I cannot, in fact... Um, enjoy the privilege to fly very freely. Um, as far as the private pilot category goes, I have the burden of proof to prove that I am medically fit in order to be able to exercise the privilege of flying. Um, if I'm flying the airlines, I have to prove who I am. I have to prove that I am not a threat or a risk to the rest of the people on, the, on board the aircraft. And to me, that seems like way too much to go through um, to be able to enjoy something that, to me, in this day and age, in 2011, seems so basic, seems so average, seems so normal. It's no different getting on an airline than it is getting on a train, getting on a bus, getting in the car. It should be no different. It's the same sort of thing. Obviously, from an operational perspective, uh, you know, obviously flying, there's a lot more you have to be careful of, but from a passion's 
passenger's perspective, it should be no different getting on an airliner than it is getting on a bus, a train, or a car. Um, and to me, I think it's really unfortunate, and it's a blemish on our country's image and our country's history that we become so paranoid uh, that we've let, you know, the choices of four people fuck up permanently uh, the lifestyle that we used to enjoy. Um, and it's it's sad. It's depressing. It makes me not want to fly. Um, I still like going to the airport. I still want to like watching airplanes take off and land. And I still want to work for the airlines um, from the comfort of a dispatch office where I don't have to go through all the security rigmarole that the pilots do. Um, but, I mean, in an ideal world, I wouldn't be talking to you from a virtual flight deck of a 747. I'd be talking to you from an actual flight deck of a 747 in the right seat on my way to London. Um, but the discrepancy in between real life and the way it should be um, always seems wider than you would expect it to be. And it's just, I guess, an unfortunate reality of the world we live in these days. And I lament it. I miss the good old days when flying was actually fun. Um, but, having said that, don't forget that flying general aviation um, in most places around the world where it's available is still some of the most enjoyable one of the most enjoyable ways to travel and if you have the option to get on a 172 to do a flight lesson even if it's just once in a lifetime just do it see what the experience is like because honestly flying a small aircraft is better than having sex and with that i'm out for this week i'll talk to you guys next week and my thoughts and condolences are, of course, with the families and victims affected by 9-11. Ten years. Astounding. Hopefully we can pick the pieces up and continue to learn from it as life goes on for those of us that managed to get through it. Alright, talk to you guys next time. Bye.